When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps, and today with me I have Davey from the Red Pill Cartel, and we, the third time's a charm because we've tried to make this work a few times, and I'm so glad that we finally got to make it work, so thank you Davey for joining me tonight. It's an honor and a pleasure. Uh, I've, I've been seeing your work like for quite a while, like what you've been doing, and uh, it's, it's pretty inspiring, you know? Thank you. Having one thumb can't be fucking easy, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> People always say that, but I'm like, I don't know any different. To me, having two thumbs That's right, is hard, yeah. so I don't know. Sure, yeah. You just adapt with what you got, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the people who lose a limb or a digit or something later in life, that would be really hard because you knew a good portion one way and then you have to relearn everything. I just never had one. Like, Right. So it was, all, it was always normal for you. Yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, did like, your parents, um, like, kind of try to teach you how to do things? Uh, you no. just kind of naturally picked it up, right? I remember I was probably five or six, and so around the age that you learn to tie your shoes. And I don't recall anyone trying to teach me. Like, I don't have memory of that. But I remember sitting on the stairs because we had two-story colonial, and I figured out how to tie my shoes. And I'd go down and I'd run to the living room. I was like, look, look, I learned how to tie my shoes. Mom's like, no, you didn't. I was like, I did, look. And I showed her. And I kind of remember her looking and stopping and going, do it again, but slower. (laughs) (laughs) How old were you then? Like five or six. Yeah. And she wanted to see how you did it because she, she was probably like, there's no way she did this. Well, and when growing up, I didn't have anyone to learn from. You know, there wasn't, I didn't know anyone like me. And so there's a quote that's like, be the person you needed as a kid. So I actually have a YouTube channel where I post videos of me braiding my hair, putting my hair up in a ponytail, riding a bike, tying my shoes, doing these things that kids want to know how to do, or even adults want to know how to do, but you don't, you can't really Google that stuff. Well, especially back then. Well, even now. So I'm trying to create that resource for people now that they can go in completely kid-friendly. I don't put any of the podcast stuff on there. I don't like... Right. None of that. Just how-to videos of how I do things one-handed. That's great. So, yeah. I like it. I I watched some of your videos and I'm like, holy shit, man. If I had one thumb, this is where I'd go, you know? <laughs> like if I if I lost it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. not just like growing up or whatever, but yeah. But enough about you. 
because this is your podcast. I'm sure your listeners already know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, st- my story, like little bits get thrown out in every show. But yeah, I want to know. Yeah, I, I just you're... don't I just don't want to sit here interviewing you. That's all. <laughs> Listen, it, we shoot the shit and where it goes, where it goes. Like That's cool. Cool by me. But this is supposed to be about you. And I do want to know, tell me two of your favorite things about yourself or two things that you love about yourself, please. Two things that I love about myself. One main thing is my character. Um, I I just enjoy life and I enjoy being around people. And when I'm around people, I'm like the best of me always comes out. Um, you know, for example, I go into work and every day that I go into work, I nine times out of 10 or nine days out of 10, I have a huge smile on my face. Yeah. And everybody's always like making sure they say hi to me because you know, and like they, it's always like, and I'll always go up to them and like, tell them the latest joke that I heard or whatever, right? Just to like brighten their day because I know they're they're stressed, right? But with me, I've learned throughout the years life ain't worth stressing over. And I've really learned how to tap into not stressing. Because stress kills. Yep. Let's face it. Uh fear kills, stress kills. You know, a positive attitude and a wicked sense of humor will keep you alive and young at heart. You know, hundred percent agree. Yeah. So I, I try to stay in that zone and when I'm not in that zone, I recognize it and I'm pretty, pretty much able to get myself out of that shit pretty quick. Cause I've had like, uh, quite a few bouts of depression and anxiety throughout my like teen and 20s teen years and 20s so um yeah i just learned how to say fuck that shit i'm not i'm not uh i don't want to be that guy that's like look at me i'm depressed you know yep. it's not worth it and and i've actually been like seriously depressed before and it's it's not fun and i don't want to go there again so i don't want anybody else to be there either you know yeah yeah What's your second thing? Second thing, mm, I love that I have the ability to play music and sing, play guitar, keyboards, like multi-instrumentalist. Nice. What's your favorite? I love singing. I love singing. It makes me, it gives me a sense of uh, Mm self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just so much fun to like learn it and develop it and keep going with it. And also playing guitar as well. It's the same thing. You got If you're not practicing, you're not going to get it. You know, like a lot, there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, I wish I wish I knew how to play guitar. I'm like, well, pick one up. When I picked one up, I didn't have YouTube. I didn't have internet. I had to learn it and sit and play like four or five hours a day. You know, that's how you, that's how you start learning it. You're not just going to pick it up and be an instant virtuoso, right? Yeah. I I tell that to people all the time. I'm like, dude, if you want to learn how to play guitar, then sit down and learn it. You're not going to, of course, when you pick it up, you're going to be like, oh my God, it's so hard. Of course. Yeah. Of course it's going to be right. But when you put the time and effort into it, you're going to develop those skills. 
And uh, yeah, I give people advice that are playing right now. Like this one guy I work with and he's always like showing me something that he did. And he, he just kind of starts off slow and he's got this cool melody and then he goes into like this and it's just like all over the place. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, talk. you need to sit down and just structure stuff, structure, <laughs> structure the way that you're playing. You always, I told him, you always start off slow and it sounds so beautiful. And then it goes all over the place. And it sounds like shit, <laughs> you know, like sit down and write. And he can never complete a song. I said, sit down, think about it. Don't just play. What I do is I get an idea in my head first before I start picking up the guitar. I get a melody and a structure in my mind first, and then I start putting it out with the instrument. So, yeah, any musicians out there? That's some advice you could take. In, oh, goodness, probably 10 years ago now, I was at a limb difference convention and I met a one-handed guitar player named Tony Memo. Wow. One-handed. Yeah. He uses gorilla tape to uh, tape the guitar pick to his nub and that's how he strums. And then he uses the neck with his hand that has the fingers. That's so cool. So he's, uh, he's pretty awesome. And I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And so I probably tried for, I don't know, maybe four months. And I have to, I take the guitar and I lay it flat. And I, instead of the strap going around my shoulder or my back, I actually strap it around um, my thighs. And I put my feet flat so the guitar is flat across my legs. Okay. And I strum with my left hand. So now it's on my lap and I'm not supporting it at all. And then I use the neck with my right hand. Have you ever heard of a guitarist named Jeff Healy? No. Oh my God. Okay. He was blind. Okay. And he plays just how you play. Okay. And he's fucking like phenomenal. He's from, he's Canadian. He actually just passed away like the past six years ago or so. Maybe. And I was like, ah, man, Jeff Healy's gone. Like that guy's incredible. He plays on his lap and you would never know unless you saw him play, you know? It was just, it was a really awkward motion for my left hand and hurt, which is why I stopped. Right. So. And when you play, when you um, hold down the fret, do you have your hand underneath or are you over top? I curl around. Okay, yeah. So Jeff Healy was on top. I could probably do that, Which yeah. I couldn't imagine doing, but that's, for me, everybody's this, got their thing. This motion and the amount of force you need to strum the strings was more than I had anticipated when I asked to learn to play the guitar. And my parents actually bought me one. And I still have it sitting in my basement. Um, but just that force was more than I had anticipated. Right. I, just, I don't have that muscle to do that. Uh, and are you playing an acoustic? Yes. Okay, so electric is much easier because you don't have to use as much force when you're okay. pressing down on the strings. Yeah. Okay. Because I, th- I I recommend anybody to start learning on an acoustic before you go to an electric because 
once you learn on the acoustic, you've already developed th- that muscle memory and the, the tension that you need. So when you go to an electric, you're like, oh my God, this is so... That's how people can shred on like in metal, because like, it's, it's so easy to hit the strings. Gotcha. So much okay. easier, not, not as much force. <clears throat> and then you can, um, you, can, you can raise or lower what they call at the action on the fretboard. So if you raise it, you gotta you gotta press down tighter. But if you lower the action, it's much easier to just shred. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I and mean- the one thing that I can't stand right now is that I've been out of practice with guitar for so long because I live in an apartment building right now and I can't I can't jam out, you know, because yeah. it's too noisy. It sucks. And plus my amplifier is toast, so I need to get a new amp. But I can't use it if I bought it right now because I'm in an apartment. <laughs> yeah. So it's frustrating. Any idea when you'll uh, have a place where you can be free to express yourself? Hard to say at this point, especially with how the state of the world is, you know? Yeah. And you're in Canada, right? I am, yeah. I'm living with my dad right now because he's semi-disabled and I'm helping him out. And also, he lives in uh, government-subsidized housing, so he pays like a fraction of what it costs to live here. And I just give him, you know, whatever he needs, right? Yep. But yeah, as as far as like getting my own place, I wouldn't be able to get my own place. It would have to be with roomies. Mm Mm-hmm. Because like there's no, it's nearly impossible to survive on your own. I mean, you could, but it's you wouldn't have anything, you know. Yeah, yeah, you'd have roof over your head, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. I just sit there and watch the paint dry, you know. Yeah, and probably <laughs> shiver because you probably wouldn't be able to afford heat. So probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, People man. can do it though. There's I have friends who are doing it. They're you know, like in a one-bedroom uh, apartment in the basement, but they have to share a kitchen. You know, and it's it's just, oh man, it's so it's so crazy. I'd rather live with my dad, who I could like look after and do things for him, yeah, and help him out, and then you know, be free to do what I want without having to deal with like somebody I don't know. You know. Yeah, I. Uh, the only time I roomed with people that I didn't know was in college, and it was awful. So. Don't don't uh, recommend. How many people? Um, it was only one person each time. Oh, okay. But it, it just different personalities each time and like clashing, clashing and for sure politics. I'm sure. Not really. I didn't like. I was definitely conservative in college, but I didn't. I wasn't as outspoken. Um, in grad school, definitely more conservative and in such a liberal. Let's face it. If you're having your master's or PhD, most of them are liberal. So it was a very liberal school. And uh, that was hard because I was starting to push back on some things publicly in class. And they didn't really like that. So you were you were starting to see the the development, the early development stages of the clown world. Yeah. Yeah. But I was still very much 
I saw it, but I only saw it for the left. I couldn't see what the right was doing yet. I didn't realize it was two wings of the same bird yet. Right. So that wasn't that wasn't until later. But and how did you? Uh, are you like? Are you, you're pretty much spiritually awakened, right? Mm-hmm. I would say a spiritual a spiritual awakening is just seeing the world for like seeing how much bullshit is going on in the world. That's all it really is. And, you know, and then, and then being able to connect with a higher power at the same time, because being able to connect with a higher power doesn't necessarily mean that you're spiritually awakened because there's a lot of people out there who claim to know Christ and they are, they've taken like (laughs) six jabs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know you had mentioned your assholes as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know you had mentioned your bout with Crohn's and Mm -hmm. dealing with that kind of led to your spiritual awakening. Yeah. So how how did that happen? There was a lot that led up to it though. Like actually it's, it's it's kind of like a, like a Ouroboros kind of situation, you know, like the, the snake that swallows its tail, Mm -hmm. like everything comes full circle. Right. Yep. So like when everything happened with me and I had my awakening, I looked back on the things in my life and I was like, holy shit that happened for a reason. I start connecting all the dots of my own life and become more and more self-aware as to like why I came down here in, in this incarnation and the certain things happened to me. And that, I think that's what the Ouroboros is. It's like coming to a self-realization and then figuring out all the events in your life were there for a reason. All the people that you met, everything, everything. The things that you remember, you remember, you know, the, 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 when people say, oh, that was a core memory. Yeah. Core memories are the things that you remember for a reason because it made you who you are today. Yeah. Right. That's how I see it. So with the Crohn's thing, it, it was, you know, it started in my, I would say like 24, 25 years old. And I'm 43 now. Um, but I, w- I was like, what's going on like with my bowel movements? Like something's not right here. Yeah. Right? And I started college. And uh, I was doing a two-year program. And I did the first year all the while suffering with this unknown illness. Mm-hmm. And w- going to the doctor like three or four times and him saying you're lactose intolerant. You have irritable bowel syndrome. You have slow bowel. You have, you know, just everything without testing me, without scoping me, every, anything, right? Nothing. And all the while it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm in college and it's my third semester and also, let me, I forgot to add that I'm on anti-anxiety medication because I think I'm dying of God knows what. So I'm on anti-anxiety medication, which works. It mm-hmm. worked for me. It was called Paxil. Um, 
So I'm in my third semester and things are just getting worse and worse and worse. I can't, I have no desire to get up to go to college because first off, I was completely turned off by the faculty, the people in there, everything. I totally lost interest in what I was doing. And so about a quarter of the way through the third semester, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm just dropping out. I can't do it. And people were saying, oh, Dave, you only got one semester left. Just push through. I'm like, <clears throat> not happening. So I left and didn't regret it because why would I want to work in an industry where everybody's like totally pretentious and fake and artsy fartsy and this and that i just couldn't do it <clears throat> so then i started working at this other job and then i got another i went through another college course which was emergency telecommunications for like 911 dispatch mm -hmm. and got through that it was difficult but i did it Still sick, not knowing what was going on, right? Had more of an interest in it. Got a certificate, finished it. It was only one semester. And tried to get into the industry, couldn't do it. Ace testing in, in a couple different uh, police stations. Ace the testings, and they never called me back. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, what is this? Like, a civilian can get this job but I can't even though I'm certified. So that just made me think that college and education is a fucking scam, right? I'm like, this is so stupid. Not to mention we, we had paid for a co-op placement at the beginning of that course, and they reneged it at the end saying, You're, no, we, we, can't, we can't give you the, the co-op placement. So we all went to the dean and said, okay, then can we get our money back? Because that's what most of the money was for. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. So that just led me to believe, like, that made me come to the conclusion that college and university is just, uh, it's not for me anyway, that's for sure. I wouldn't say it, it could be a fucking scam, but I'm not going to say don't go to college or university because I don't know. It's just not my path. I don't think it was meant to be my path. Yeah. So anyway, with that being said, I finally put my foot down to my general practitioner and say, said, look, I cannot deal with living anymore because it is so bad down there that I just can't deal. I have no energy. I got nothing. I get up in the morning, everything that I ate the previous day just comes rushing out like a river and I can't do it. You know, I'm bleeding all that stuff. Right. I said, I would like to demand that you send me to a specialist finally. And so he did. He said, well, I don't think you need one, but you know, cause it, they have to pay for that. Right. So I finally got to a specialist. I got a scope, colonoscopy, and he said, 
he said to me, do you take, do you get frequent headaches? I said, yes. He said, stop taking Advil when you get a headache. Take Tylenol. Because Advil is ibuprofen and it's a uh, inf- inflammatory. Okay. So I started doing that. And he's like, also, take Benafiber in the morning. I said, okay. So I started doing that. And then he gave me this medication called Pentassa, which I'm still on, uh, which is an anti-inflammatory. And so I started doing that. And then he's like, I'm going to schedule for another colonoscopy, like six months later, right? So I went there. I did that. And I said, what, is, what the hell is wrong with me? He said, you have very mild Crohn's disease. How are you feeling lately? I said, much better after what you gave me, right? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, good. So ever since then, after that, I dropped about 80 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started getting like this massive uh, weight lifted off my shoulder. Like, I'm not fucking dying, you know? And so this, I think this anti-anxiety medication that I was on, had kicked me into high gear and I started getting uh, what most people would call manic. So I got super into, like I started reading, like I read the book, um, the secret doctrine by Helena Blavatsky. Mm -hmm. And it just totally blew my mind. And I just started like looking at the trees differently. I'm like, look at the trees. They're not, they're blowing in the wind, but they're breathing, you know? And I started feeling like everybody's connected and we're all one and this and that. And I started feeling so amazing, especially with the weight loss. And then I went to my doctor and I said, I don't think I need this medication anymore. Can you wean me off of it? He said, sure. And he gave me a weaning plan. I think it was like a two, three month period. And uh, I was working security at the time, and uh, I was just listening to Coast to Coast, walking around outside. And I had, I I remember specifically, they were talking about these scientists that were discovering certain things, and they were getting bumped off. They were getting suicided, right? Just like that's right? And so this is my first kind of like realization, like, holy shit, like there's a lot of evil going on in this world. Right. And so right then and there, I had this epiphany, this huge epiphany. And I just looked up to the sky and I said, I accept you. Right. And for some fucking reason, I just felt this thing wash over me. And I was like, what is this? Mind you, this was like two months after or like a month after I stopped taking the Paxil. Okay. I thought it was God's spirit coming into me. But then all of a sudden, the, the next day or two, I felt like I completely lost who I was. 
I didn't know who I was. I felt super depressed. And I started reading the Bible hardcore and started losing friends because I was like reading the Bible so much and, you know, learning that I was a sinner and this and that and blah, 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 blah. And my friends thought I was going nuts. Um, then a couple years down the road, I started, you know, I was like, you know, I was, I was like abstaining from all sorts of stuff. I like, I can't do this because it's a sin. You know, I was getting freaked out. And uh, so I was basically brainwashing myself into yeah. thinking that, into thinking that everything that was happening to me was because I started believing in God and, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. And, uh, you know, friends trying to call me and try to argue with me. And I just hang up the phone. I can't, I can't listen to this. This is what I need right now. Leave me alone. You know? And then one day I had this super vivid dream that there was a, uh, I was walking in an orphanage and there was beds with kids on either side. They were sleeping and at the end of the hallway of the beds was uh, a man sitting there who had a Bible in his hand. And I approached him and I said, he said to me, and he held up the Bible. He said, brother, these words can either bind you or free you. The choice is yours. And when I woke up from that dream, I was like, I started defragging myself again, deprogramming all the shit that yeah. I programmed myself, you know? And uh, some people would say that was the devil talking to you to not read the Bible anymore. But I was like, no, that was, that was an angel telling me you can take everything that you know now from this book and apply it to your life without having to worry about what the, what the extremists tell you. Yeah. Right. So that's what I've been doing ever since. And but the thing is, when I had that epiphany, I've come to discover that that in that moment in time, I had a traumatic brain injury from getting off of the Paxil. And that was a hard thing to deal with because I had severe depression, severe brain fog, uh, you name it. And I had to do everything in my power to overcome that. And ever since then, I really haven't had to deal with depression or anxiety. How did you realize that the Paxil caused this, like all these problems? I looked into it. I did a little research and I said, uh, it's, uh, people that get off of SSRIs can have traumatic brain injury because it's, it's like, these pills will expand your, your neurons, your synapses. And when you stop taking them, they shrink back to levels where it's like your brain can't function. Did I don't know. But just, the brain, just like any other part of the body heals over time. Yeah. So I had to get, go through that healing process with the Bible and with the spiritual awakening, this new, this new thing. And it was, I think in a way God did pull me out of that, but he said, this is going to be hard and you're going to have to listen to me. 
right? When you started uh, talking about the mania and the Paxil, I did a quick, like, very cursory Google search and definite side effect of it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw it in Canada, but in the U, I think it was in the U.S. Anyway, there was a study that came out that basically said all the research that had been done on SSRIs uh, can't actually isn't valid because the first study that everything is based on is actually false. Right. Because it's a, it's a, it's a time lapsed thing. You can't just, there's got to be years of research on this shit. You can't just like get people to take it for 10 days and see what happens. Right. Well, so after my, I was hit by the car, they had me on, Prescription after prescription after prescription, and oh, this side effect. Here's another pill. Just I had pills galore. Until you become a walking pharmacy, like my father. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, I was literally a walking pharmacy. Uh, when my now husband went to go help me move, I had like one of those Sterilite three plastic drawer things full of pills, and he go, he's like, "What is this?" I was like, "Oh, it's my pills." And this is before I understood how bad pharma can be. And he's like, this isn't normal. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, they're all labeled on top and I can tell you the dosage and what they're used for. And I had drawers of this shit. And he's just like, well, you just have your little pharmacy in here, don't you? Like, That's pretty crazy. But that was my normal. Right. And did you get off uh, a lot of those or... I am not on any pharmaceuticals anymore. I have not taken like a a prescribed thing by a doctor since probably March of 2020. I had a surgery in there. So there was like a, you know, there's anesthesia. There was uh, things like that. But yeah, I got off all my inhalers, off, um, all my antidepressants off, all my pain meds, my blood pressure med. Like I was on everything, everything, and yeah, I don't do any of it anymore. That's that's awesome, and that's the problem is that once you start taking one, it's a slippery slope, and you go into another, and it gives you that side effect, and it gives you another pill, and then you get another side effect, and you get another pill. There was one, I Gross. think, it, I think it was Lexapro, but I could be wrong. But I was driving with my ex-husband to church. And I'm driving and I see a pond on the left side of the road. And I look at him and I look at the pond and I stop the car and I said, you need to drive. He goes, why? I said, because I'm going to drive this car right into the pond and I want to kill you and myself. And he's like, okay. And I Holy called my psychologist shit. and I was like, I want to kill myself and my husband. I really think I need a new prescription. Wow. It was ba- It was so scary. To have that thought. And like, had I not been able to look at him and been like, I'm going to stop the car and let you drive. Like, because it would have just been super easy to go, boop. Yeah. I, that's, I can't say I've ever had any kind of thought like that before, but, you know. But then again, I've never been on, like, a whole whack load of pills. It's always been, like, a couple here and there, you know. But, like, we're just, like, what we were saying, it's a slippery slope. Like, oh, 
like especially if you trust the pharma industry, right? Yep. That they're doing something good for you by giving you all this medication to soothe one thing instead of getting to the root of the problem. Listen, I say this every time farm gets brought up. There's a time and a place, but it is drastically overused. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not all Western medicine is evil. No. Okay. But, you know, heaven forbid I'm hit by a car again, please take me to the hospital, do everything you need to do. But once I'm stable, I want natural options. Like, yeah. Balance. Yep, definitely. And that's another thing I've learned after being diagnosed with Crohn's and going through what I went through is that you need to do, you need to find balance. This life, this uh, schooling realm that we're in, this educational realm that we're in, is all about, it's all a balancing act. Even the light and the darkness is a balancing act. You cannot go fully into the darkness, otherwise you're going to be completely uh, psychotic and evil. Yep. And you cannot go fully into the light because then you're completely denying your 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 uh, your own human uh, desires and this and that. So you just have to learn how to balance these things without hurting anybody or without hurting yourself. Yeah. And try to be the best person, you know, shine a light in the world. Uh, Use your voice, use your talents, but don't let all the other, don't let the darkness get the better of you. Yeah. I mean, it can be hard when you go through rough shit. Like, Mm -hmm. you you know what I mean? You know, you were talking about how you went through your bouts of depression. It's not, We're not saying it's all, you know, unicorns and rainbows and ice cream parties. Like, it's not. But you can't stay there. Yeah. There's going to be ups and downs all the time. Yeah. And, like, when I see somebody, you know, who claims they're a Christian and they're just, like, so, like, I'm like, okay. I see you now how you are, but what do you like when you go home? (laughs) You know? Some of the people who are the biggest assholes or the nastiest gossipers or whatever also claim to be the most devout and holy Christians. Oh, yeah. Or religious or whatever. Like, and, and they're only that way when they're in temple or synagogue or church or whatever. And then as soon as they walk out or heck even into the general meeting space, it's like a switch gets flipped. Yeah. Churches are some of the most clicky places. They are. I've experienced it myself. uh, Because I I did become born again. Um, I did get rebaptized. I was baptized when I was a baby, but I got rebaptized after during my whole process. Right. But I started learning, like, I, I would see people in the church, and they did, and I was like, what the fuck are these people doing? Like, there's people, like, waving their arms and, like, doing this weird, like, water dance. And I'm like, 
is that what I should be doing? Because I have no inclination to do that, you know? Oh, like they were being filled by the Holy Spirit or Yeah, whatever? yeah, okay. yeah. And I'm just like, you're just losing your shit, dude. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> like, <clears throat> how does one become filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, I, I for me, it's just discovering truth and speaking truth. Because to me, the Holy Spirit is just the spirit of truth. It's not going to make you feel ecstatic or make you like move your hand and like all of a sudden push somebody with like the force, you know, like you see on these televangelist televangelist shows, like absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Or make you like, you know, stick your hand in a, in a den of vipers. Yeah. I, I never really understood that. Uh, like the purpose of the whole snakes thing and snakes are probably the thing that freaks me out the most. I can't even go into a reptile house at the zoo without closing my eyes and being led by my hand. Hate, hate snakes. Um, but this, so I was raised Catholic and then went to Lutheran for a little bit, but in neither one of those religions, do they do the, you know, the hallelujah, Jesus waving hands up. Sure. Yeah. You know, they don't do that. And my dad has family in Alabama in the South. And in the Which South. Which is where they usually do that shit. In the South, some of them can be like that. And, you know, you see, you know, some of the churches or, you know, in movies or whatever. And like you, I would be like, well, like, we don't do that in our church. Like, we have to sit there quietly and kneel and up, down, stand. Like, this is a whole, like. And I thought what they were doing, because I was raised Catholic, that they were um, basically blasphemous and um, wrong. And I can't think of the word off the top of my head right now, but basically they were not true Christians. Well, that's the problem with being a Christ follower or like indoctrinated into the religion of Christianity and every sect that's involved with it. No matter what sect that you're in, you could even be in a universal church. Yeah. You're still going to point your fucking finger yeah. at other people. Right. How can there be any unity when there's so much division in the Christian religion. Don't you think that was the whole point? I think that is the whole point. And that's why when you're, when you claim, when people, people ask me all the time, Oh, are you a Christian? No, I just follow Christ. That's all. And no, I don't go to church. This is my church. Do my podcast is my church. Yeah. Because I get to talk to other like-minded people who are trying to discover what the truth is in this clown world. And it makes me feel much more sane in a world full of clowns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my church is honestly the great lakes. I'm from Michigan. So sometimes the ocean, but like for me, it's the great lakes. It's long drives. It's nature. It's, you know, I go for a hike and somehow I will find the body of water, whether it's a stream or a waterfall every single time. Like, me and water are like this. Nice. But it's, that's my church. But 
you know, you try and explain that to people and everyone loves labels, right? They want, well, are you Christian? If you're Christian, what are you? Are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? Are you Lutheran? Are you Episcopalian? Are you Baptist? Are you Southern Baptist? Are you Pentecostal? Are you Mormon? Or like insert the litany of religions here, right? And that label is where we get stuck in this little box and we can't get out of that box. And if you try to leave that box, you're a bad person. Then you get then you get excommunicated or ostracized from the village, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's can can I just <clears throat> I don't like the label Christian. I I don't like any label. I just like to say uh, I was born into slavery, and then I found out that I was able to be be free with the anointing of Christ. Because you know the truth will set you free, right? It's see being free does not mean that you're free really because you're still trapped in the slave system, Mm -hmm. but it's knowing where you're going in the end. Yeah. You know, because you know that this world is evil. It's full of evil. It's so corrupt. Uh, The people who are running the show are absolute evil scumbags. And there is no true justice on this planet until you pass over and, go with God, right? See, and I'm still, I guess I'm on my journey somewhere where I think the Bible holds truths and I believe there was a Jesus. I don't know. Like, I don't think I'd identify as Christian, but also spiritual gets a bad rap right now. Yeah. And, but I'm like this weird mix of things. And then sometimes I go to look into these different deities and then, the little Catholic Sunday school teacher pops in my head going, if you look into those, you know, you're doing devil worship. And so that's like a whole deconstructing thing. Cause I'm like, yeah, I start looking to him like, Oh, this is really interesting. And that little voice pops in and I'm like, just shut up. To me, that's the devil has like the devil has a hold on us through our thoughts too. Right. So anything that makes you, it's like, The devil doesn't want you to question religion because the devil, I think the devil constructed religion to keep us contained in that box. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And divide us all the way through and through. Like I have multicultural friends, multicolored friends, and I'm able to go up to them and crack a joke like a, um, a derogatory mm-hmm. joke at them <clears throat> and they laugh because they know that I have a pure heart about it. They know I'm just joking. Yeah. Right. So that's my, that's another part of my character that I really like is I'll be able to tell a black joke to a black guy and he'll fucking <laughs> laugh. At, he'll laugh his ass off. Right. And I'll be able to tell a gay joke to a gay guy and he'll laugh because he knows that, I just love people and I, I hold, I hold like hardly any hate in my heart except for the people that are running this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you can tell when someone says something or makes a joke that it's coming, like you said, from a pure heart and not with any malice, any ill intent, any, anything. It just pure heart, you know, they want to make you laugh or they're curious or whatever. So, sure. yeah. Yeah, I just love doing that. It's, it's so funny to me. Like, <laughs> I 
like when I go <clears throat> I go to work and there's this black kid that I really like and he likes me and him and there's a couple other guys there, right? And I go, yo, what's up with my niggas, right? And I give them fist bumps and they all they all they all just like they laugh, but then they're kind of just like, oh my god, right? Like <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. Right, right, right. It's so funny. Cause like who else is gonna do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm that guy, you know? <laughs> I feel like though that type of personality, your type of personality is rare because I feel like there's even some instances where you could crack a joke or you'd even make a liberal laugh and they might not get offended. A liberal laugh? Oh, yes. well, I could make a liberal laugh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they yeah, get offended I could, over I could everything. I do that too, yeah. Yeah. I do that too. Uh, I had a, um, coworker who transitioned from male to female and we were like this, you know, we were mm-hmm. two peas in a pod and I would crack jokes to her too about trannies and shit. Right. And she would laugh, you know? So it's, it's just like, I think there's way too much hate in this world that people like, even amongst the truth community, like, Oh, look at this this shit like okay i get there's people that are transitioning but you have to realize that they're people too right the thing that we should be not liking or hating is the agenda that the media is is uh, pushing my basically if you're an adult you do what makes you happy as long as it doesn't harm anybody else and start- also do not, if you're a doctor, do not give kids at six years old hormone blockers. Oh, no, no. You start messing with the kids, that's what's going to follow. If you start messing with kids, that's a whole nother story. Because here's and the that's thing. the thing. They're doing that, too. They're, they're giving these six-year-old kids hormone blockers because they think that they're a male when they're a female or a female when they're male. That's fucked up. There was... I, I read a headline in most news stories in mainstream media, I don't even bother clicking the whole story, but it was a minor, so like 15, 14, had gotten a tattoo and the parents, I think, had gotten in trouble because they didn't sign off or something, and that was bad. But in the next article over was this 12-year-old that was mutilating their body because they thought they were a different sex. Oh, jeez. So tattoo is bad. Mutilating your body is okay. Right. That, leave the kids alone. Yeah, and this, there seems to be this thing where doctors are actually, like, okay with doing this shit because they make the shit ton of money out of it. And what's another thing with uh, getting out of medical school? You're in severe debt. So why not? I make money out of it and pay my debt off. There was in, I think it was Project Veritas, maybe. And I don't know if I believe everything that comes out of there. Um, and I think it was them. I could be wrong. But there was a university like Stanford, Loyola, like one of those big hospital university names. And audio had been leaked of, or emails or something of them pushing a gender reassignment program for children because they knew it was going to make a lot of money. And someone had asked, well, what happens if the doctors oppose it and they don't want to do this? And the response was basically they get fired. 
Oh, shit. They get fired. It's either you go along or you go find somewhere else to work. That's insane. I mean, like, every doctor has their own practice, right? So, so this was like them? a this was like a hospital co op, not a co op, like a hospital where there was multiple surgeons and doctors, and they, that's who they were employed by. So it wasn't that they had their own practice. Okay, I got you. But yeah, you see the problem with these uh, general practitioners, these family doctors, right? Uh, they're so neat, like neck deep in debt when they come out of uh, university. And it's like they have to, you know, they got to charge you like 50 bucks for a fucking doctor's note. They're going to charge you, uh, you know, 20 or 20, let's say $20 for a doctor's note for like a sick note for work. 50 bucks if you don't show up to your appointment. And if you didn't give them 48 hours or 24 hours notice that you had to cancel your appointment, you know, and it's like all these little, these little schemes that they have to make money. And it's disgusting. I thought healthcare in Canada was free. <laughs> they still have their schemes. <clears throat> like I haven't seen my GP in like five years now. Cause I just don't want to go to a doctor. I just don't trust them anymore, especially with my GP in the past, like the past 15 years ago, like I, I got out of that guy's office because I had to go to him five times and he was misdiagnosing me with like this, that, this, that, right? Yeah. So it's like, how can I trust a doctor if he's telling me that? And this guy's like renowned apparently. And I go on the website, like uh rate MD or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I see his and all these people are praising this guy. And I'm like, no, sign up. Nasty, scathing fucking comment on him, right? <laughs> I, I, I scathe him for sure. This guy is like, he's probably like 60 something now. And he's just walking around like he's all stiff. And he's like, no, you're lactose intolerant. No, you're irritable bowel syndrome. Like, come on, man. And the last time I was there... He was looking up in the medical dictionary what something meant that I gave to him. I presented to him, and he's like, "What's that?" And he had to look in his medical dictionary. I'm like, "Wait, who's the yeah. doctor here? Me or you?" You know, yeah, I've been there. It's crazy. Well, in the U.S., you would be hard pressed to find a general practitioner that was not affiliated with your local hospital or a local hospital. This private practice thing doesn't like they're hard to find. And if they do, they don't accept insurance or like a concierge doctor where you just pay out of pocket for everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of me thinks that's the way to go because insurance in the U S is a whole ripoff. Like that could be a whole side topic, but oh, it's completely different than Canada. I mean, like I could go see a GP or go to a walking clinic and, um, you know, have a discussion and him give me a prescription and I walk out, walk out of there scot-free. I don't have to pay a cent. The things we do have to pay for is if we get, uh, you know, we slip and fall at home and we have to call 911 and the ambulance comes, we have to pay for the ambulance. 
that's different, you know? But, like, I've seen shit in the hospitals, like, this guy is sitting there in the emergency waiting room on a stretcher with a gunshot wound. <clears throat> and he's sitting there and sitting there waiting and waiting, waiting to get treated. I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure this guy should be in there right now. Right. You know, he's like sitting like, ah, he's screaming at like, the top of his lungs. And then I got my brother, my oldest brother, sitting there with a kidney stone, and he's freaking out, you know? And I'm like, fuck, somebody do something. Like, why are you guys not, like, wheeling these guys into a room and operating on them? What the fuck's going on? Very rarely do ERs move quickly. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. The only the only times I've ever been rushed quickly through ER is when I've been carried in, passed out, or I go, I have chest pains. Anything else goes in the waiting room. Yeah. Like, I just lost my leg here. Uh, pouring blood out of my, my, my hole. Can you guys help me here? Oh, no, sorry. You got to wait. <laughs> Yeah. Here's a couple Percocets. <laughs> yeah. Here, uh, just put some gauze on that and just hold it. Yeah, yeah, Good hold firm it. firm pressure. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. Like, and especially up here, I don't know if it happened down in the U.S. Uh, during COVID, but uh, <laughs> I love calling it that. Um, they had... Um, ambulances parked outside of the the ER, like outside to make it look like the hospital, the ER was full and they had rebel news go in this guy, Kevin, I forget his name now, but he, he, he goes in and the security is like, Oh, you can't film here. He's like, why not? I just want to see if the, the, the ER is full. Yeah. No, you can't. He's like, no, it's a public, it's this public building. I'm going to go in and see. So he moves around the security. There's nobody in the ER. He's like, oh, so you got nobody in the ER waiting to get treated for COVID. And yet you got ambulances parked outside, making it look like you guys are full. You guys are fucking scumbags. I'm sure that happened in the U.S. I uh, I honestly couldn't tell you. I'm sure it did. And it goes to the municipal um, government as well. It's like those are the ones that they're getting those orders from the top down to the municipal to say park some uh, ambulances outside to make it look like we're in a, we're in a pandemic. Well, and it, no, it's more of park some ambulances outside and we'll give you X amount of dollars. And if you exactly. don't, we're going to revoke your funding. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's disgusting because we live in a corporatocracy. There's no government. It's all corporation. We don't live in countries. We live in corporations. Agreed. So this was shit 20 years ago now. I uh, had fallen and broken my left arm. I was going up the stairs, fell, broke it. I didn't go to the hospital that night. There was a giant snowstorm. And you're supposed supposed to fall down the stairs, not trip up them. I know. (laughs) There were wooden stairs. I was in fuzzy socks. Shit. Yeah, it was a thing. I'd just gotten out of the whole cast, and it had been like a month, and I rebroke my arm. Oh, my God. So we went to the local hospital, my mom and I, the next morning. 
And they x-rayed it with the cast on, and it was a hairline fracture. Well, they refused to call my orthopedic surgeon in Maryland. And mind you, my left arm is the one that is missing a thumb and the whole host of things, right? So it's not like my right hand. It's not like your arms. And I want you to look. I see. I very clearly do not have a thumb. Yes. Agreed. Right. Right. Okay. I'm 10, 11. And they send in a resident to cast me. So he puts the sock on that thing that they put on before they start putting the plaster and he starts cutting a hole. I said, what are you doing? Where the thumb is. Because I'm cutting a hole for your thumb. I go, I don't have one. If you don't (laughs) recognize that, you're not casting me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, I was like, no, you're not touching me. And I remember like hopping off the stretcher and like not letting him touch me, yelling for my mom. They're threatening to call CPS on my mom because my mom doesn't want him to touch me because all she wants him to do is call my doctor. It tends to be a whole thing. They finally cast me. Instead of it being a hairline fracture because they didn't freaking listen, it was a hairline fracture and a gap. They almost had... Wow. I was... The, my 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 true orthopedist in Maryland was this close to being like, we need to go re-break your arm. If you don't notice I have a thumb, you shouldn't be a doctor. Because <laughs> everybody has thumbs, right? Apparently. Listen, I don't get offended that every pair of gloves and every pair of mittens has two thumbs. But if you can't look down and see I only have one, you probably shouldn't be a doctor or you should get your eyes checked. Yeah, either one of the two. Like if you're like, if you're, you're like observing a human being, you can't just automatically assume that they're going to be, you know, like other people. Well, and if your job is to treat a specific part of the body that is different, you should probably notice that it's different. If yeah. like, your job is to look at that specific body part, right? <laughs> it's fucking insane. <laughs> the medical it, industry, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's, it's terrifying. That would be like going to the dentist with only two teeth and then trying to count all your missing teeth. And just assuming you have a full mouth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if they don't notice, they should probably consider a new profession. Yeah. I wonder, if I were to get braces, would it go across the missing part here? There would just be or a Or would they wire. do, like, a brace and then stop and then a new brace? So there would be a, um, a bracket on each tooth and just a wire between the two. Oh, Okay. I'm looking to get like like an implant. Mm-hmm. It's so expensive. It's ridiculous. I had so on my upper left side, I had one molar pulled because I had a root canal, and the root canal got repaired like twice. And they finally pulled it because I was having a ton of sensitivity and pain and like grossness in my mouth, and it was infected. Do not get root canals, people. Since when is it okay uh, to leave toxic tissue in your body? Yeah, uh, every time I go to the dentist, they say, oh, I think you might need a root canal. I'm like, no, I don't. They're like, what do you mean? We recommend it. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not getting one. You also probably recommend fluoride, so you're an idiot. Yeah, and I'm like, that's another thing. I'm like, oh, we're going to give you fluoride now. I'm like, no, you're not. No. 
<laughs> Every time I got my teeth cleaned. Oh, okay. And uh, we're going to apply the fluoride. No. Yeah, no. Uh, I don't have it in my drinking water, so I'm not putting it in my fucking mouth. Yeah. The, if you want to go dive into uh, root canals and things like that, I'm not affiliated with either of these accounts. On Instagram, I think it's Empowered Mama Movement. And then there's another one on Instagram. It's like the Fluoride Action Network because apparently the EPA in the U.S. is being sued for adding fluoride to all of the drinking water. Good. Sue their fucking pants off. I'm done with this shit. Like, why Why do you have to poison us? Like, you've got... They have us under their thumb, and that's the problem. And people don't fucking realize it. We, uh, it's like, there's like video games that I've played over the years, like from my childhood to now. And one specifically where <clears throat> uh, it was Final Fantasy 3 on Super Nintendo. And you go to this one town, and the king, quote unquote, the king, obviously he's evil in the game, right? But he poisons the, the, wa- the water supply in the town. And it's like, holy shit, this is freaky. And you see people dropping dead, right? And then I'm like, and I didn't realize until years later, looking back, another core memory, right? That's what they're doing to us. The people that make these games, they know a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. And if you guys think that your little Brita Brita filters and pure filters from Target are actually doing shit, they're not. And you're just throwing money down the garbage like they're they're pointless um absolutely get get a good filter do your research Uh, i'm looking to get an alkaline filter so it's gonna make my water alkaline like totally alkaline and i've noticed that since i started drinking alkaline alkaline water that it's also improved my gut health and again i have crohn's so i can like i notice exactly what I put in my body, what affects it. Right. Yeah. And alkaline water is like a fucking game changer for anybody that's listening. If you don't mind me asking, were you on prescriptions besides the Paxil prior to Crohn's? No. Huh? No. Cause you, I know that there's some medications that can actually, uh, basically cause Crohn's induce it yeah um I actually brought it up to my GP my newer GP and I said to him I think that the vaccinations that I've got when I was a kid has contributed to me developing Crohn's disease and he said he kind of he went huh I don't think I can disagree with you. Shut up. I was shocked. I was shocked. That's impressive. Yeah. Cause he was a real one. It's not my current one, but I had like the one that, uh, sent me to a, uh, a specialist. The guy who missed that to be like five times. Got rid of him. I, f- I found another one. I like, I moved, uh, uh about an hour North for about a, f- a few years mm-hmm. and I got another GP there and he was a real one. He was like, 
you know, See, listens to you and asks you questions, this and that, takes takes his time with you. And I told him that, and he's like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, he said. There's very, there are, they are out there, but there's so few and far between. Very few. My, I don't know if my cardiologist would be willing to go that far because um, he does work for one of the major hospitals here. But I was asking him about, like, could I have a home birth? And But, like, I knew how to ask the question because they also basically record all the conversations for to be transcribed in the notes later. So I knew not to bring up the quote-unquote trigger words. But he was... His words were, you're healthy enough to give birth anywhere you want. I was like, cool. That's the answer I want to hear. He's like, I'd recommend you go here, but you don't have to. And no, I'm not pregnant. I just, we were having this conversation. And for him to not be like, no, you have to do this and you have to do this. And he also never asked me about my vaccination status. That's good. Never on anything, the flu, COVID, nothing, nothing. So, yeah, oh, that's another, that's another thing. Uh, the flu shot, my experiences with the flu shot. I had it twice in my life. The first time I got it. And five minutes later, my, my dad and I are driving out of the parking lot. And all of a sudden, I sneeze like 10 times in a row. So it's like an instantaneous. Uh, was it uh, injected into the arm or was it an intranasal spray? No, it was in the arm. Okay. So it was an instant reaction. Uh, got the shot, got in the car, out, out of the parking lot, down the road, sneeze like five, 10 times. I'm like, and then all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. I'm like, <gasps> my lungs just filled. So it was an instant reaction and I was sick for two weeks and I was having hallucinations because of the fever. I thought I was going to (laughs) die and I did it again. Stupid enough. Exact same thing. Pull out of the parking lot, instant reaction, sneeze like five, six times, couldn't breathe sick for two weeks. Like, and I'm talking like death, almost like, Deathly ill. And I'm like, okay, never again. See, because I'm, uh, because I have the heart condition, even though I'm perfectly healthy, before I went to college, like, oh, you need the pneumonia vaccine and you need the meningitis vaccine. And there's one other one. And it was like typically given to the elderly, but because I was considered um, not immunocompromised, but like high risk, I guess, for living in close quarters. Uh, they also gave it to me and yeah, I had the Gardasil ones. Like I had, I had a ton of shit. I will Gardasil was the oh, HPV no, vaccine. Oh, okay. No, I was thinking of the uh, Accutane, which is the acne thing. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. I never used Accutane, but Gardasil which, was the, which is also dangerous. Apparently. Yeah. I, yeah. And I periodically bring this up because it was so helpful to me. And I don't know if it applies, if it's the same in Canada, but, an account on Instagram called just the inserts or just the inserts.com. No affiliation, just great information. 
and go read what some of these side effects are. It's just inserts from the FDA, CDC, drug manufacturers, and that mania that you talked about with Paxil, things like that, like they cover that. And it's kind of the whole, the, the things that the doctor doesn't tell you or that you don't bother to read that little folded up piece of paper that's scrunched in that you're like, what is this shit? That, that unfolds into like a thousand, like 10 million fine print words. Yeah. That thing. Remember the thing for the COVID vaccine? You, you, you open it. And all, it's this that massive paper. Blank? It's just one yeah. QR code. <laughs> like, why do you need a huge piece of paper for one QR code? Yeah. And uh, they're still EUA. Oh. Only EUA approved. So. Oh, my God. Oh. And then, yeah, um, what about, uh, what do you call it, tetanus shots? That's another thing I had happen to me when I was about 14 years old. I went to the doctor. He's like, oh, it looks like you're due for your tetanus shot. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm 14. Yeah. Right. Gives me the shot. That night, I was like kind of feel weird right and then for a good four or five months i had this fucking existential crisis but i could feel it coming on the same night that i got that boost that that tetanus shot i had this girl that i was that was interested in me uh she had a crush on me. She wanted to be with me, and I had no interest. Looking back, I did, but I was having this fucking existential crisis, and I didn't want to bother, you know? And there's just so many things that these shots do to people that they have no idea that it's from the shots. Because oh, it's very, it can be very sneaky. Agreed, because not everything happens right away. And if it does, you're gaslit. And here's the thing about tetanus shots and rabies shots. Uh, we'll start with tetanus. Tetanus can only grow if there's no oxygen. So, Davey, pop quiz. If your wound bleeds, what does that mean? Is there oxygen present? Yes. Because you have oxygen in your blood, right? Exactly. So if literally, you see red, there's oxygen. So if your wound bleeds, you can't get tetanus. And the tetanus, let's say you do get injured and you go get a tetanus shot, that will take a long time for your body to develop things. If they're actually worried about tetanus or you're worried about tetanus, go ask for tetanus IgG, tetanus immunoglobulin. That'll actually help support your body. It's tetanus antibodies. Same thing with rabies. You think you're getting, if you're like, oh, you we think you got bit by a rabid dog. You need a rabies vaccine. No, you just need some rabies IgG. And mm -hmm, the rabies shots that you give your animals, people, can turn your animals rabid. And they're not, you can ask your vet to titer for the rabies antibodies instead of getting it every one or three years. You don't need to continually get your pet's their rabies vaccinations. It's if you think humans are bad, look into your pets. It's just as bad. Oh, oh, for sure. And look at the food that we feed them. It's awful. It's all like ash. It's disgusting. 
We feed raw. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Ah, oh, man. <clears throat> Humans and animals could live so much longer if the government didn't have, didn't have a hand in this shit. Agreed. It's, it's fucking insane, man. I, like, well, the Mars Candy Company just bought, what was it, a canna and origin dog food? Why is a candy company buying dog food? And they they used to be pretty good kibble. Why, why is a candy company? Don't they make like Twix and shit? Why are yeah. you buying dog food? Fuck. It's crazy. And not to mention like all the uh, child slaves that they have in the cocoa fields, you know? Every time you buy a candy bar, I'm seeing this I'm seeing this thing. I don't know if you're seeing it right now, but ever since the Balenciaga scandal, uh People are destroying their Adidas uh, clothing, their Gucci clothing accessories because they're finding out about all this shit, you know? I think it'll die down, though. I think it's this short-lived outrage. We have such short attention spans. I know, but at the same time, it's like, that's another thing that when I was growing up, and this is a full circle thing again, I was never a brand guy. I was always, like, when I was a kid, I was like, why do you care so much about having Nike shoes or Adidas shoes, this and that? And now I know why, because God was telling me ever since I was a kid, this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well, my parents have not a lot of money and they bought me these cheap shoes from Byway, <laughs> Byway, which was like a cheap store. If you, if you bought, had clothes from Byway, then you're a cheap kid, right? I don't give a fuck, right? But at the same time, I'm looking at all these people like salivating and being rabid over these brand names. And I'm like, why do you care so much? Yeah, I remember my mom was taking me new school clothes shopping. And there was like a thrift store for teens called like Plato's Closet. And she looked at me and she goes, I can take you to Hollister or Abercrombie and you can get one pair of jeans or I can take you to Plato's Closet. And they had, sometimes they had name brand stuff. It was like all the different things. It was a thrift store. She goes, and you can get like six pairs of jeans. What do you want? And I was like, I want six pairs of jeans. She's like, okay, let's go there. But I I didn't care. I care about how they fit. Like, Yeah. I, I swear, I swear to you, Ellie, even if I had like, like a billion dollars, I still would not like go for these brand names and shit. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Nope. Same. I, every time I see like a woman, you know, she, she looks good. She's carrying a Gucci bag. I'm like, (sighs) the only like name brand that I, like but i like because of their quality is fossil so they make watches and purses but they make like real leather purses so i've had i have one purse that i've had since 2010 yeah so but i don't have 42 of them right 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 let me tell you this cool story so and it connects with this what we're talking about right now uh, when I was going through that phase where I was reading the Bible, I was deep into that 
Bible thing. I met this uh, street preacher uh, on YouTube and he was, he lived locally and he said, you want to come down with me to Toronto and street preach? I'm like, okay, well, I don't know much about the Bible yet, but I'll hang back and watch. Right. This guy was so like against all corporations and everything. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I do now. And he's like, I wear white cotton t-shirts. I wear Brit, no fucking logos, no nothing. And I get it now because what I'm seeing now with people burning their <clears throat> clothing, uh, cutting up their Adidas shoes and Balenciaga stuff, all that stuff. It's because all these fucking corporations that make these clothing this clothing are corrupt to shit. Mm -hmm. Why would we want to have any part of that? Right. He was right. He was right. I thought he was nuts at the time, but like I had a fucking shirt, like a a sweater that said Canada on it. He's like, Oh brother, you got to get up. You got to get up. You got to get rid of that shit. I'm like, really? It just says Canada, you know, but I get it now, you know, because Canada is a corporation and also, I mean, we should be proud of our country, but we're not a country, we're a corporation. And that's the problem. And that's what I'm seeing now, years later. You know, he had it back then, but I didn't realize it. Yeah, it's, it's all that hindsight 2020, right? You realize yeah. the truths, but you didn't realize they were truths back then. For sure. Like, when you, like, that's why a lot of people think that people like you and I are, are fucking crazy because we speak truth and they don't get it yet. They're not on that level and that's okay. We just have to keep speaking about what we know and hopefully some normie will listen to your podcast for like, for some reason or mine and get it and then set it out. You know, Yep. we just got to keep doing what we got to do. And and the, the, the truth is like a sharp sword. It cuts deep. And that's why it hurts so much when you first come to the truth, because you start realizing that this whole world is a fucking scam. Yeah. Yeah. Davey, I think that is a great place to end for tonight. Can you please tell people where they can find you, including all the normies? (laughs) Sure. Um, You can find me on Instagram at red pill cartel podcast, all one word, no spaces, no nothing. Uh, my backup account is Red Pill Cartel Podcast 2. Um, you can find everything there. My link tree is there. Uh, you can find me on Spotify, Apple, all the other smaller ones like Podbean, Google, Podcasts, all that stuff. It's all out there, you know? <laughs> If you look, you'll find it. And it'll also be linked in the show notes. And thank y'all for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful night.
everyone. I wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of Speed Bumps. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Spotify, I would really appreciate if you clicked that five-star button. And if you're on Apple, you can click the five-star button and leave a written review if you're so inclined. If you're interested in coming on my show, you can reach out to me at speed.bumps.com podcast on Instagram.